Thank you, Steve. It has been a wonderful weekend. I just, I would like for you who are here as retreaters and leaders, just to, just to give a round of applause to the students who have done so much in so many ways this weekend. They have been... We had a student body when I was here as a student that was a little more than twice as many students as what are here right now, and it was a lot of work when we were here. And I can only imagine the kind of work that these students have done that you don't even see. And so let me say to you students who are, those of you who are awake, students, I know you're maxed out, and thank you for the way that you've ministered to these retreaters. It has been, it's been a joy to watch. And uh, just sit back and watch you. you. You know, it's been fun to watch you work. Yeah. God is good all the time. And uh, Jared's testimony was, was powerful. It's powerful because it's God living and alive and at work. Made me think of the prodigal son when it says, when he came to his senses. We can get, Jared's testimony was, he, the darkness closed in, but when he came to his senses, all of a sudden he realized, wait a minute, life is bigger than this. Life is bigger than my earthly accomplishments. Life is bigger than all of that. Just, and what a great song. What a great song that the, uh, that the group sang, there are no strangers, there are no orphans. To God. God knows you. God knows you. God knows those of you who are his children. God knows those of you who have been struggling this weekend, coming to a strange place like this, hearing about Jesus over and over and over again. God knows you're struggling. He knows that. Matter of fact, he's involved in that. God, the Holy Spirit, is using his word to speak to your heart. Let me just challenge you this morning to listen to that. It has been, it, just before I began to preach, just let me say, it has been a privilege and a pleasure to open God's Word and to minister to you, even to give some of you heart attacks last night. I, I've, I've heard from a couple of people that they weren't expecting me to jump off the stage and yell, and I promise you that won't happen this morning. It's way, way too early for that. But I hope that you understood, man, it is amazing to go from darkness to light, to go from being blind to being able to see because of Jesus Christ. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, what a thrill it is to be yours, to just join our voices together as we have been doing, Father, and lift up praises to you who alone are worthy. Lord, we ask that you would teach us this morning, challenge us by your Holy Spirit, through your word, in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. I was sitting at camp, and uh, just sitting by the, by the waterside, talking to a, a former classmate of mine who was sitting next to me. And she was explaining to me how she was done. She was finished. Had enough of camp, I'd only planned to come for two weeks, and this is my third week, and I'm tired, and I'm cranky, and I'm going home. I'm done. I'm just listening. 
wasn't saying much. Don't listen with that tone of voice, she says. Stop judging me for me going home. I'm tired. I'm going home. I said, you do what you want. Stop taking that attitude with me. It was kind of back and forth. And, and as, we're, as we're sitting there, the most troubled kid in the campground, he came from a tough background. He'd been coming to that camp for years. And, and uh, I don't know why he did this, but I was sitting like this, and he came with a Bible in his hand, and just sat right on my legs. A bit of a speech problem. He said, Uncle Twent, he said, could you tell me something? I said, Sean, what's that? And he opens the Bible up to a picture. And the picture was of three crosses. He says, what does that mean? <laughs> now, if you've been to NBBI for three years and you can't tell a nine-year-old boy what those three crosses mean, probably you need to go back to freshman year and start over again. I took those three crosses and I explained the gospel to that young man and he trusted Christ as his Savior. Gets up. Thanks. Boom. He's gone. My friend sitting next to me, she goes, All right, fine, I'll stay. <laughs> Turn your Bibles this morning to the book of Luke. I want to talk about those three crosses from Luke 23. I'm going to talk about three crosses, three words, and then I'm done. Three crosses. Luke 23. Now, Jesus, Jesus has been brought before Pilate, found nothing in him. Pilate said, I find no fault in this man. And yet the religious leaders yell, begin to whip up the crowd, crucify him, crucify him. He's been whipped. Body has been torn to shreds. Crown of thorns beaten onto his head. He's gone down the way of suffering, down the Via Dolorosa, he gets to the end and they take the nails and they begin to drive the nails into his hands. Verse 32 of Luke 23. And there were also two other malefactors led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors. Now a malefactor is a thief. Someone who is a hardened criminal who has done so much that the Romans figured it was way cheaper to have capital punishment than it was to put them in jail. Way cheaper if, if you had capital punishment laws. And so these guys are hardened criminals, been that way all their life, one on each side of Jesus. Now, at some point, as they are nailing Jesus to the cross, Jesus says these words, verse 34. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots, meaning they gambled for his, for his clothes. And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he be Christ, Christos, or the Messiah, 
the chosen of God, let him save himself. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a subscription was written over him in letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. As they stood those crosses up, it wasn't an uncommon thing to see. This is the Roman world. Thousands upon thousands of individuals had been brought to the ultimate punishment, nailed to a cross, and died all across the Roman world. Crucifixion was not unique to Jesus Christ. It was part of the culture, part of the Roman culture. But Jesus, He who knew no sin, He who was perfect, was nailed to that cross. He's the only perfect man to ever be crucified. The only perfect man to ever live. He died the just. He was just. He was perfect for the unjust. Those of us who are all born broken. Born in sin. The just for the unjust. That he might bring us to God. What an amazing thing it was. The one who hung on the cross was there taking your place and taking my place. Paying for our sins. And one of the malefactors, which were hanged, railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself. Now the word Christ, English form of Christos, Greek form of what would be in the Hebrew, Yeshua, Messiah. The promised one of God from Genesis 3.15 all the way through the Old Testament. Here's what I tell the guys at jail. When they say, I don't know anything about the Bible. I'll say, well, here's what you need to know about the Bible from the get-go. This part of the Bible tells us God created us. We get broken. It's the story of someone promised to come back and fix us all the way through. It's his family tree and all the stuff that happened in his family tree. And then this part says he came to fix us, shows us how he fixed us, and then shows us how to live. Well, that seems simple. Okay, but you still got to read it. You still got to read it because Jesus is the one who came to fix what was broken, to restore us in our relationship to a holy God. Just for the unjust that he might bring us to God. But one of the malefactors said, if thou be the Christos, if you're really the Jewish Messiah, if you're really the promised one of God from the very beginning, what are you doing hanging on this tree? Save yourself and save us. If you're really who you say you are. Doubt. Hebrews tells us, without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's the first word. Faith. Because when we look at what the second guy says, we see that displayed. He says, But the other, answering, rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we, we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. The guy who's hanging on this cross hears 
maybe even his co-conspirator, maybe someone... It's amazing. How many of you have met somebody you know from another church since you came here? You've seen someone from another church? You've seen someone you knew from camp or from someplace? The same is true in the criminal world, just so you know. These guys all know each other. They know the same people. So So... this guy probably knows that other guy from something he had done or from something. And, and he hears him say, like the crowd is saying, if you are really the Christ, save yourself and save us. And, and he talks eyeball to eyeball with them. He is one of him. He, they're the same kind of guy. And he goes, what are you saying? You and me, we deserve to be dying like this. We have done stuff to deserve this death. We deserve it. Our sin, our crimes dictate that this is the way we die. What are you yelling at him for? We receive our punishment justly. This man has done nothing wrong. Nothing wrong wrong like attracts like he can look across he knows that other guy deserves it just like he does but when he looks at Jesus he says no no he doesn't deserve this death he's done nothing to deserve this he knows an innocent man is being crucified He doesn't understand it all, I'm sure. He doesn't understand the the salvation aspect of this. But he understands this man is the king of the Jews. He is who he said he was. Whatever that is. And then he, he states it the way it is. We deserve our death. Young people, we deserve our death. Payment for sin is, and Jesus' death on the cross made our payment. Made our payment. He died the death that you deserve, that I deserve. This guy on the other cross, he sees it. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Jesus Remember me, Lord. At first, he was, he was saying the same stuff as the other guy, and then, then he realized, no. He takes a small step of faith, and he says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Reminds me of the, of the father who brings his boy to Christ, demon-possessed boy, and and he comes down to it and he says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. It was that small step of faith that said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Thief dying on the cross. Guy who had probably hurt people. Guy who had probably had many victims in his lifetime. Turns to Jesus and says, remember me. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Some of you are hearing the message of the Gospel this weekend, maybe for the fourth time, maybe the first time, maybe for the hundredth time. 
But faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. As you get into God's Word, you can come to that faith. As you hear God's Word, as you understand, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, there's something in your heart that says, it seems right, but I just don't understand it. Or maybe it seems right and I'm ready to do it. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. It's the reason for the turmoil in your heart. But believer, the, the Word of God is a faith feeder. If you're having trouble trusting God for things in your life, get more into His Word because it will build your faith and it will build your trust in Him. But this thief dying on the cross turns and he says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He believed in who Jesus was in whatever way that he understood it. Look at the response to that belief, to that step of faith. And Jesus said to him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Now the King James paints it in great language. But you need to understand that Jesus is on this cross barely able to breathe because the weight of his body is pulling down on his lungs. He's got to push up on the nail that is in his feet to get a breath. Think of the excruciating pain that must have been just to get a breath. And then slowly the body sinks down. These are not easy words. The words that are gasped out. Today, you will be with me. God honors faith in him. Jesus turns to this guy and in response to his faith gives him a great hope. Gives him a great hope. Now, I got to tell you, the big long driveway that I took the 15 passenger van up and pulled into Mr. and Mrs. Booker's driveway, I... Last time I was in it, I couldn't move it. Now I hope by the end of today I get that van because I get six hours to go. So I'm I'm hoping that I can get that van out. Mr. Booker has said that he would drive his truck right full force into the front of it and push it. So that would be good. I hope that happens. I hope that I get it out and it's all okay. But that's not the kind of hope that Jesus gave this guy. He gave him a sure hope. Not a, boys, I hope this is going to happen, but an assurance of this is what's going to happen. Today, you will be with me in paradise. In 1 John chapter 5, it gives a very clear statement about that hope. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Speaking eternal life. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. Romans 5 talks about all three of the words that we're talking about this morning. Romans 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that faith, we are justified. God takes our sin And he places it on Jesus. He became sin for us. The just dying for the unjust. The perfect dying for the broken. 
Our sins go on Jesus Christ in justification, but then His righteousness comes and is put on us. And we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. By whom we also have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope that we are going to be with God the same way that this thief, in a simple step of faith, was assured, today you will be with me in paradise. A settled hope. Romans 5 continues, and it says this, Verse 3 says, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Christ dies for the ungodly, and the hope makes us not ashamed, it says, because the love of God is spread abroad in our hearts. Now, I don't know at what point that Jesus uttered the words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. But they're close enough, these three crosses are close enough that they're able to have conversations with each other through gasping breath. So they're not spread apart all that far. I wonder if they put the center cross up first, and the man awaiting his execution sees Jesus on the ground, getting the nails driven into his hands, and he hears that utterance of love that Jesus had, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. This guy's thinking, if you're God, just take these guys out and let's get out of here. Jesus loves those people that are nailing Him to the cross. And in a very real sense, that's you and I. It is real. It's not the Roman soldiers that put Him on that cross. Jesus said, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down, and I can take it back again. No one takes it from me. Jesus, God in human flesh, is allowing this to happen, and He prays, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That had to stick in this guy's brain. He sees something different in him. He doesn't see what he sees with the guy standing next to him, who's just like he is, broken and in need of that Savior. The love of God is spread abroad in our hearts. Book of 1 John, chapter 5. I'm sorry, chapter 4. Verse 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And then verse 9, In this was manifested the love of God towards us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world 
that we might live through Him. God's love is demonstrated by Jesus on the cross. It's laid out perfectly by Jesus on the cross. That we might live through through Him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Paul says three things remain. Three things abide. In 1 Corinthians 13, 13, he says, and now abides faith, hope, and love. These three concepts remain. Faith, directed towards God. Hope, the settled assurance of where you're going once you have exercised faith in what Jesus Christ did on your behalf. Faith, hope, and the underlying premise, the underlying foundation of all of it is a God of love who loved you enough to send His Son to die to make the payment for your sin. Three crosses. The guy on this side rejects who Jesus is because he doesn't see Him do what he thinks He ought to do. If you're really who you say you are, get us off this cross. Save yourself and save us. Jesus doesn't do it the way He thinks it should be done. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. This one didn't gain life because he didn't take a step of faith understanding who Jesus was and accepting that for who He was and for what He was doing. The guy on this side, remember me. When you come into your kingdom, acknowledge who you are. The response of love by God in human flesh dying on that cross. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. You're here this weekend and you know. You know in your heart that you have not trusted Christ as your Savior. You know it. You know it. Either because you haven't understood it before this weekend, or because you've been fighting it for a long time, whatever it is, you know you're not saved. You know that you don't have the Son. You know that you look more like the guy on that side saying, I don't believe it. Or, I haven't accepted it. This guy didn't accept it at first either. But he takes that step of faith. He takes that step of faith and trusts Jesus. This morning, you can have the Son. You can take that step of faith, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Saved to a hope, saved to a life everlasting. And God desires that for you, not because He wants to condemn you, but because He loves you enough to make the payment for your sin. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Saved teenager, let me ask you this. Are you grateful for what Jesus did for you? Are you truly grateful for what Jesus accomplished for you on that cross? Or have you taken it lightly?
you might need to get some things right in your heart towards God and just turn your heart in thanksgiving towards him and say thank you for the cross thank you for who you are and for what you have done for me teach me help me to grow up in all things in you you don't want to have the same testimony as what Jared had I'm sure Jared doesn't want to see any of you do that he had to come to the right place Believing teenager, you need to come to that right place so that you don't go down that wrong path. Heart of gratitude will do that for you as you develop a love for his word and a love for him. But for those of you who are here and do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, this will be the last time that you hear the gospel this weekend. Bartimaeus last night didn't know it was his last chance to see Jesus. Didn't know, but it was. I'm going to ask the counselors if they'll come forward. If you would like to come while we sing and just talk to somebody, pray with somebody about trusting the Lord Jesus as your Savior, I'm going to ask you to do that. Come and grab one of these counselors' hands and they'll just sit and talk with you, pray with you, so that you might know that you have eternal life.